Hello and welcome to this episode of Just Another Football Podcast with me, Danny Miller. And this week I am joined by a positively jubilant Chris Nichols. And I'm going to say probably a deflated Joey Pollard. How are we doing, boys? Yeah, fairly, fairly accurate description in footballing wise. As I got older, <laughs> I'm taking on the Nichols attitude, though. I'm like starting to detach myself from affiliation and just become a fan of the game so I can offer a unbiased and informed opinion to our listeners. Well, we're, we're going to start with not that. Um, and we're going to start with, we're going to Wembley. Well, I am anyway. I don't know about you boys. Uh, <laughs> Newcastle United yeah. are off to Wembley in the Carabao Cup final. They'll play at Manchester United at the end of the month. Um, I don't know if you boys saw the games. What did you think? Uh, let's start with you, Joe. Uh, United was kind of, sorry. Manchester United was kind of a, kind of a given, wasn't it? Uh, three 0 up from the first leg. Um, Forest were never really going to do anything. You know, you, you, they could have just sat back and made a game and done what they needed to do. Um, so I think in terms of them going to the final. Yeah, good. It, it'll be good for them as a club. It'll be good for, for Ten Hag. Um, it's quite interesting. As a Liverpool fan, when, when we were having success in that competition, went through years of United fans, you know, with their mock-up pictures of the cup being lifted with its Mickey Mouse ears on, and suddenly it's transformed into a, an important trophy to win, and, you know, it'll get us back on track, blah de blah de blah um, So from, from that point of view, they were always going to reach the final. From Newcastle United's point of view... Excellent, isn't it? You know, you must yeah. be happy with Larry. Um, a day out to Wembley is great. You know, it's great for a cup final, for a spectacle. Everyone loves it. Um, it I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested in Chris's opinion on this as well as a, a neutral. Like, who do you think it's more important for in terms of winning the trophy? Um, obviously, Manchester United with their kind of lapse since Sir Alex left. Newcastle United with a slight pressure in terms of the amount of money that, that is now in the club. So, yeah, I'd be interested to hear who you think it's more important for in terms of a victory. Oh, it's still definitely more important for Newcastle. How long has it been since you won a trophy? Was it like 50, 57 years, something? Uh, yeah, 69 was the Fairs Cup and 55 was the last domestic. 55 years. Yeah. Like, yeah. You've got, 1955. It's also when years. when you think of um, you know where Newcastle were at a year ago when um, Eddie Howe took over. You were in the relegation zone um, Christmas last year. To be in the position where you are now is just huge, and it seems to. So I, I've spoken quite a lot on this podcast about how Liverpool are a team who've just like posted off confidence for years. Which isn't to say they're a bad side, but it's because obviously they're not. But in terms of like their team, there have always been better squads in terms of like players, but in terms of an actual team unit and the confidence in a team unit, they've been stronger than anybody else in the league. And it seems that what Liverpool have lost this year with that, Newcastle have taken on entirely because everything you do just seems to to just go your way. It's it's like it's amazing to see. Um, so yeah, the position they're in, well, you're in. It's amazing to see. I I really hope you win it. I really do. Um, I think, and I 
think pretty much every neutral football fan would probably be supporting Newcastle for that one. Um, yeah, it's it's so important that, that you win it over United. I mean, United have, you know, they've won trophies in recent years. They'll win trophies again in, in years to come. It would just be such a such a bit of a, you know, such a shake-up, wouldn't it? Dan, what do you, what do you think, you know, because there's this whole argument. If you win, gives you European football, which will be, again, a, a great thing. Of those European nights at St James's Park, but I, I don't know. I, I can never understand why the Thursday Sunday is different to a Wednesday Saturday. But there seems to be this thing with the the lesser uh, European competitions we're playing on a Thursday Sunday that really seems to affect clubs. Would would that be a concern of yours? Should you win that trophy that and don't qualify for the Champions League, and therefore you take that up? I'm concerned about Europe in general. I mean. We're, we're we're ahead of schedule, as we all know, as everyone knows. You know, at the start of the season, I was predicting us uh, anything just not a relegation battle. Um, so top top ten would have been really nice. It showed on on Saturday. I think without Bruno in the midfield, I think we really struggle, and um, the lack of depth uh, is is a real problem. However, I think that if we if we are playing Thursday Sunday, then we're gonna have to like. Do some hell like do some hellish business over the summer, and I'm not necessarily talking about um, about br- b- bringing big names in. I'm t- I think I'm more talking about bringing in like good quality players that aren't like top level, but are like the, maybe the next level down. But just bringing in like five or six of those that can kind of come off the bench and m- maybe make a difference, like one in five games. I, you know I, know, what I mean, I know what we're talking about. Thursday, Sunday, in relation to his winning the um, you know the AFL Cup, but why is the Wednesday, Saturday not at the equation? You don't no. think you'll you don't think you'll qualify for the Champions League? No, I think I I think it's ours to kind of to to not to lose not ours to lose. There's a long way to go, but um, I think we're in a really good position to do that. But I think sure. e- either way, either way, it's going to be difficult next season. Um, I, I I think you you from this point. I think you could almost say that you're guaranteed European football through several outcomes. I think you'll either you'll either win, obviously win the the Carabao Cup. You will finish in the top four in the league. If you lose the Carabao Cup, United Manchester United are probably going to finish in the top four in the league. So there, I think that their position, their uh, place would then default to you as as runners. I don't up. think is that how it works. I think so, mate. Yeah, not hundred percent, but um, I, I don't know what happens if if you both finish in the top floor. I think maybe we lose a European place. I'm not sure. It drops down a further place in the league, probably. But yeah, I would I would say that you, as a Newcastle United fan, you can be very confident that you will be playing some form of European football next season. And I completely agree with you in terms of the type of player that you need to buy if it's uh, Europa League or, or Conference League. If you're playing Champions League, different again, but it opens up a different market for you. Yeah, definitely. And and the money is kind of in the Champions League. The money is, you know, we we've got money, but for for financial fair play, I think it's it is important for us to qualify for the Champions League if we really want to go off and and spend some money and improve our squad in the, in the summer. Um, but you you know you say oh. European football is a given. You're talking to a person who sat in a at, sat in a stadium last Tuesday um, of 50, 50 odd thousand people. We're three nil up, 
Um, essentially, three goals Southampton need to to go through, and everyone's still there shaking. You know, everyone's still unbelievably nervous. We've seen it all before. The only thing that we can do is just keep playing, keep playing the same type of football that we're playing, which is like front foot pressing. Without Bruno for the next couple of games, going to be difficult. But is <clears throat> is an exciting team to watch? That's that's what I noticed through watching the, those games. Uh, like Joey said before, you know that the Man United uh, not Forest one was kind of a given. Mm-hmm. Um, but just watching Newcastle Southampton, Newcastle are an exciting team to watch. I know that you, you know last weekend's result was a bit of a bore fest, but overall, like absolutely one of the better teams to in the you know for a neutral to watch watch at the minute for sure yeah, i agree yeah big time um a team that have gone big on transfers uh over january were chelsea i think it was near 300 odd million that they've spent over january and 600 million since uh todd Bowley came in uh enzo fernandez kind of being the uh the star on top of the tree, if, if you will, at 115 million. That seems a lot of money for a player that we hadn't necessarily really heard a lot about, uh, Chris, before the World Cup. It's it it's a ridiculous amount of money for him. Like he's a good player, obviously, but come on. The one that excites me more is um is what I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation of it. Is it Mudrick? Mudrick. Yeah, Mudrick. Mudrick. Yeah. Um like I know he hasn't scored yet. But the appearances he's made so far, he looks rapid. Like he looks really, really decent. I think that. I think that's. So how much did they sign him for? Was that like sixty million or something? I think it's like sixty plus add-ons. About eighty-five. Um, I think it'll come. Yeah, to, depending it? on if they like qualify for the champ, uh, win the Champions League, win the Premier League. Even then, I mean, even then, it's it's a ludicrous fee for a player who's come from the Ukrainian league. Um, so yeah. Oh, it's 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 mad, isn't it? He, he does. He, he looks. He looks great. Games. Forty games over the last four years. Forty games, nine goals. It's like if you look at his pure statistics, which can be twisted. I know it's absolutely bananas. But like you, like you said, Chris, when he came on, uh, made his debut against us. When he came on as sub, like fucking hell, he looked absolutely electric. He, uh, he yeah. did look exciting. Um, Fernandez, one though, you can understand that, can't you? It's Benfica. They didn't need to sell him. He tried to down tools. He's got a buyout clause. He's there for a reason. If you want, if you want to pay it, then pay it. Um, the, 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 the amusing thing is, and this is a, a cliche of what's been said over the last couple of weeks: six hundred million spent. They still haven't got a striker, have they? Still, no. yeah, that's still ridiculous. haven't got an out-and-out striker. You know, I, I know this isn't the type of person, but they've still not got a, a Lewandowski. They've not got Haaland. They've not got Harry Kane. They've not got that that number nine through the they've- middle. They've made some st- signings, I think, and I said this over the summer as well. Chelsea have made some signings who do not feel like Chelsea players. Like when they got Obama Young, I was like, he's not a Chelsea player. That's that's the weirdest. And then even even now seeing seeing um, Sterling in in a Chelsea shirt, I don't know, weirds me out. Um, it it just doesn't seem to make any sense. They see it, it's it seems like a very disjointed side um yeah. of you know some very yes some very very good players and with with huge transfer um you know numbers attached to them but it, i don't see how it's a you know coherent we team can't, you can't sign that many players and expect cohesion like straight mm. away i think probably what potter's gonna have to do for the rest of this season is 
look at his squad and just basically work it out and, and see who he wants and who he doesn't want. And then in the summer, they'll probably mass clear out, which I think will probably include Sterling. I think he'll be one of the ones that probably move on again this, this summer. I think that's interesting because I, I, I really rate Sterling. I think he's uh, un, in the right, uh, not necessarily even in the right system. I just think putting him out on the wing, he he's going to do something, and he he has an eye for goal as well. I think he's this. He's got some about him. I, I, we we talked about this last time. I think it's just strange the amount of wingers that they've signed in general across the last two windows without going out and like you say signing a signed a number nine. They've won. Um, Joe Felix, obviously, we talked about a lot on the last podcast, got sent off that night and he's missing three games, but then they've gone and signed um, Madueki and Fafana, who are also players that can play out there as well. Um, but I think for me, the 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 signing that they've made, which stands out is um, Benoit Badiashile. I think he's been brilliant in the first couple of games. And I also think that he is kind of with an aging defense and he's obviously signed a long-term contract as well. But with that aging defense, I really think he can become that new like Chelsea stalwart. You know, we look at Aspilicueta and say, you know, he is a Chelsea player through and through. I think Badia Shile will turn into one of those players for them. Um, and he was, I think he's a bit of a snip at like 30, 35 million. I think they paid for him. Um, the other big, uh, movers and shakers in the transfer window in terms of players. They happened over the last few days. It went a bit mad. Um, just before the deadline day was Anthony Gordon from Everton to Newcastle, obviously 40, 40 million plus 5 million add-ons. Me and Chris have spoken about this a little bit. I um, am not particularly enamoured by the signing, but um, he's 21, he's English, you know, it's going to be a big fee. There's like the English tax, Newcastle tax. Um, Joey, where do you, as a neutral looking out, what do you think of this deal? Um, so I, I've seen Gordon live, um, the derby last season. Um, and one of my, I went with my brother and one of my brother's mates and uh, my brother's mate said, keep your eye on Gordon because all he does is dive. And that is basically what he did through that game. So that was my like live experience of him. Um, I trust, I trust Eddie Howe, and I trust Newcastle's scouting system um, to some degree in terms of. I don't think that they would sign someone for the sake of signing it. You know, the, the, you've got unlimited money essentially. Um, from Everton's point of view, and I know Chris will sit there and shake his head. I seem to remember they had that deal in the summer that was offered to them that was a similar amount of cash, I think, that Newcastle have paid, plus Conor Gallagher. Um, it was more. It was, it was more. Oh, with, with Conor Gallagher. Yeah, it, it might have been right. It might have been more cash plus Gallagher, and they, and they turned it down. Now, we all know that he went a bit smacked arse, didn't he, and, on, and almost down tools and didn't turn up for training. And that's not the type of player that you want in your club, which then, interestingly, from a Newcastle supporter's point of view, you'd have to have a look at that as well. But then Definitely. he came on, didn't he? And he, he played that beauty through ball for, for Wilson. Um, I thought he was brilliant when he came on. Yeah, he, he looked he was all right. absolutely brilliant. Chris? Um, like, there's a player in there. There is. But he's not that great. Do you know what I mean? Like his end product isn't that great. Um, I'm not just saying this because he's left Everton. I was saying this when he was at Everton. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was saying this when he was at Everton. And also, like, Lampard had dropped him. Like, Lampard wasn't playing him. Not that I'm saying, like, well, Lampard was in his right mind. Obviously, he wasn't, hence the position that we're in. But it's like, Gordon was struggling to get into an Everton team, which is diabolical. Yeah. I also think, like, I, I know we've got an abundance of players that kind of play his position as well. But how, how old is he now, Dan? Chris, 21? 21, yeah. 21. Um, that now is not of an age of a young player. Now, no, it's not. In, 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 has he been anywhere near the, the national team yet? No. no. And I think... You know, we, I think we spoke about it in terms of very early on in the series. I think we had a discussion about Trent and the amount of stuff that he'd won by that age. And I'm a very firm believer of if you're good enough, you're old enough and the other way around, etc., etc. Like Chris said, he was in and out under Lampard. He's not been talked about as having any kind of England call-up. And I, I would argue, though, Joe, that Trent has played under Cloth and... Gordon's played under um, Benitez and Lampard, so like yeah, you're not working. Like, like like Benitez is a great coach, but it, it, when he went in there, he didn't go in and everything was hunky dory and everything was fine, and he was able to bring on players. Same for same for Lampard. I don't necessarily think Lampard is one of those managers that can bring on players, hence why he's not in a job anymore. But I. I do think that under Howe, he will improve. I'm not saying that he's going to get a look in for England or anything like that, but look at the players that we have now that were, you know, Joe Linton is a man reborn uh, and he, he improves players. And I think that what excites me about Gordon is that he's got all of the things that you can't necessarily teach. So like his physicality and he's a bit of a shithouse and, He's quick and he, you know, he's 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 obviously got an eye for a ball. All the other things, how can help with whether that is like his mentality or his passing or his like his crossing or whatever it is, how can help with that and finding okay, those quick, balls. Quick straw, quick straw poll then. One word answers. Will Anthony Gordon be in England's twenty twenty four Euros? squad if they qualify no Danny Chris no nah I think no as well and then I think if you're spending the best part of 50 million quid on a 21 year old Englishman and he's not getting in the national squad I think you'd have to ask a question then I'm going to he's mock and he's mock. He does. he's mock and he's a rat move on <laughs> um, two crazy signings that happened on deadline day um, before we move on to part two uh, was Sabita to Man United feels like a bit of a panic buy yeah, with Ericsson getting weird. injured. Weird. Uh, it's weird, not man. even getting a game for Bayern. So, but this being said, so was Ve- uh, Weghorst to Man United as well. Another yeah. weird one. Like that's the one thing that I don't like about Ten Hag is he does seem to just sort of be raiding either the Dutchies or the Dutch league. You know what I mean? And it's like branch out. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit of. He's got ability, like at Leipzig, he was he was excellent. I think he's probably been that sufferer of the fact that Munich just go out and take everyone's best players, don't they? Yeah. And you know, if they kind of they play a bit of championship manager in that league, if they don't want someone playing for another team, they just take them. Um, I think he'd have gone to a, a different 
European team, we'd probably kick on. So again, like like we we said about Vekos, he's he's essentially got five months to either earn himself a move to Manchester United or to play well enough to go another European team could take me or Bay and go, actually, this lad's got ability, let's put him in. But yeah, I think it was a bit of bulking, wasn't it, really? And they, they, know, they knew Ericsson was out for a while, so short on numbers, we we need someone in. So they went and got someone. Yeah, definitely. It is, it's a mad one. But then yeah, you get players who, <laughs> for whatever reason, they get these mad moves and do really well. The the biggest one for that is uh, Chupo Moting. Do you remember? Like he has the best he, agent in football, mate. Yeah, he was underperforming at Stoke, yeah. and then all of a sudden he's at Bayern Munich and PSG, and you know ugh, him and um, what was he? Uh, uh, Braithwaite uh, at Barcelona. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He was at Borough, and now yeah. he's at Barcelona somehow. Um, a player that has got a really good move, I think, in January and a good move for both parties because he only had six months left on his contract was Jorginho. Uh, he's gone to Arsenal, 12 million quid, which um, with a 31-year-old with twelve month, uh, with six months left on their contract, you could probably say is a little bit much, but he gives Arsenal something that they don't necessarily have. He kind of slows the pace down and can maybe help them see out games. Sorry, I was just going to say, like, he he really is a class player. And 12 million for a player of his experience. Yeah, he's 31, but he's still got legs on him. Um, even if you, you get two years use out of him, it, 12 million for that, brilliant. He's a proven Premier League player, proven international player. He, he really is a very, very good uh, buy for Arsenal, I think. Arsenal are making all the right moves. I think they're doing, I think they're, doing a great job yeah it's really annoying actually <laughs> I have no idea where I sit with Jorginho I really don't because like Chris said he's got the he's got the reputation he's got he's got the medals in his in his cabinet but like he's so the example that I always go back to when I'm talking about transfers like this is Joe Cole when when Liverpool signed Joe Cole for, for nothing I was like, that's incredible. What a signing. And then you sit back and go, why have Chelsea let a 28-year-old England international run his contract down and leave for free? And with Jorginho, yeah, he's 31 and you know they've got a big squad. And, but they got to the point where if they're willing to sell him, they obviously weren't going to offer him a new contract. And there's it's reasons why. I know that the big th- comparison that's been spoken about is the fact that if and I think we even spoke about it a couple of episodes ago, if Arsenal were to lose party for any length of time, they really don't have any kind of quality replacement to come in and, and do that job. But I... <laughs> He's a different player to party, though. He's a different player to party. He plays in the same position, but he's not as physical, he's not as um, he's not domineering. Really, no, I completely agree, but... He's also not an Odegaard and he's also no. not an El Nenny and he, he's just for me, he doesn't he doesn't suit or like feel part of Arsenal's current shape, you know, with that youngest team in the in the league and the way they, they move it quickly through midfield and they get it up and they and they play this lovely fluid football. I dunno. I don't know where he's gonna sit in that, but then I was listening to Carragher, Jamie Carragher saying that he thinks he'll be absolutely perfect for them because he will offer that 
experience and just slow the game down like Chris says and stuff like that. But I don't know, mate. I think he's... I think the reason, you know, there's a reason Chelsea were willing to let him go. He came on and against Tottenham and no, uh, he made his debut, didn't he? And yeah, it was. Was it North London Derby that they lost? No. When did who did they lose to at the weekend? Arsenal. Everton. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll move on to that. Uh, you know, he, he came on. He came on in a minute later. He conceded. You yeah. Know, he's like. The Jorginho effect. I'm just not. I'm not sure. We'll give it. We'll give it to the end of the season. But if Arsenal win the league, I don't think he will be a massive part of their squad next year. So let's move on to our to the relegation battle then. So at the moment, as things stand, Southampton sit bottom of the league, Bournemouth just above them, and Everton fill up that final uh, relegation spot. But a huge win on Saturday against Arsenal. Um, Since we last spoke, Frank Lampard has gone and they've brought in Sean Dyche. I think this is a fantastic appointment. Um, But Chris, I presume you watched the game on Saturday. Please give me your uh, initial thoughts on Dyche and do you think... Do you have a bit of more positivity than you did the last time you were here, which was basically you basically cried down your mic for like an hour and then left early? Uh, I still don't have positivity. <laughs> let's put it that way. But <laughs> I do like the weird thing about Daesh is if you'd have offered Daesh to me two years ago, you'd have been like, no, awful. This is not the direction we want to go. But unfortunately, the position that we found ourselves in he is actually the best appointment for it. And one of the reasons for that is, obviously we're going to talk a little bit more about the relegation battle as a whole, but there's a, you know, a very, very real chance that Everton will go down because I mean, the, the mess he's taken over, it, it, we've been on a downward trajectory for years. So it's not like he can just turn it around like that. And I'm, I don't think anybody's expecting that. But if we did go down, I think he's the kind of manager who, if we went down, we'd, deal with the championship a bit better under him. If we'd have gone for a Bielsa or stuck it out with Lampard or whatever, um, I think anybody who'd have come down to the championship with us, we'd have just gone into free fall. Whereas I think Dice does have that, you know, that about him and that experience with dealing with that kind of yo-yoing and being in the championship. And I think he'd stick it out and actually do okay for us down there as well if we went down. Obviously, I'm hoping that he does give us a bit of steeliness and we, we can turn it around. Um, we played well on Saturday, but, you know, there's the whole new manager bounce thing, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Um, but we did actually look quite good and we looked quite well drilled. Um, it's all mad stuff. Like he's making he's making them wear shin pads in training. <laughs> and you're not allowed to wear what? That's, what, that's that what's doing there. it. <laughs> Gotta wear black socks, black socks and shin pads. <laughs> Another team that have bit the bullet uh, over the last um, this morning or yesterday morning um, were Leeds United. They've sacked, um, they've sacked Yank Lampard as he was known at, by the Leeds fans, uh, Jesse Marsh. Uh, <laughs> do you think they'll go back for Bielsa? Uh, that is my first question, and my second question is if they do. Do you think that 
he will do anything different to what he did last time, i.e. change from his like classic Bielsa style of play? I don't think they will go back for him. So that kind of negates the second part of the question. But if they were, then no, because I think part of the reason that he went in the first place was this, not stubbornness, but he, he, you know that's just the style of football that he played. Um, and if he was probably, I don't know, was he told or not, you know, knuckle down, stop us conceding goals and we'll, we'll stay up. Um, was he not willing to compromise on his principles? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I don't think they'll go back for him, mate. Um, they might go for one of his generals. Um, obviously, Carlos uh, Corberan's been spoken of. He's doing a great job at, at West Ham, who was one of uh, Bielsa's coaches at Lee at West Ham, West Brom, sorry. Um, one of his coaches. I think a lot of Leeds fans would like him to come in um, and do a job. Uh, interesting, you know, it's interesting timing, isn't it, that they've they've decided to do it now. I just think it's really harsh. Um, but if you listen to Jesse Marsh's post-match interviews, he constantly said the result didn't match the performance. That's all he used to say. Now, it gets to the point where as a, as a board member, as a director, as an owner of a football club, you'd have to turn around and say, well, I'll tell you what, Jesse, when is the result going to match the performance? Because at the moment, the results aren't coming. And he can't keep saying we're doing this right, doing that. I mean, I, I watched quite a lot of the game against um, Forest the other night. And yeah, they, they were the better team, but they couldn't do anything to break Forest down. They couldn't go and score that goal. They, they uh, I mean, Navas had a superb game. Yeah, um, he's brilliant. They, they, like, there was nothing that you saw about them that, like, this team is going to do anything different. And I. I don't think it's harsh, mate. I think the interesting thing is that they've done it when the best candidate for the job has just taken another role. Because I think, you know, if they brought Dyche in, you know, I think he could have done something for, for Leeds as much as they think he'll do something for, for Everton. Um, I don't know, mate, to be honest. They've got, a, they've got a good side and they've got some good players and I don't think that Marsh was obviously getting the tune out of them. I think he's a good manager, but he's probably got a level. And I think that level has probably been established um, in, his, in his time at least. One of the other managers that has been talked about for the sack uh, has been Nathan Jones at Southampton. It's not been that long since we were talking about him coming in. He made some really, really strange comments yesterday after the game, uh, saying that he basically pandered to his players or other people in the way that he was playing his football. For me, um, I think these comments have been blown a bit out of proportion in terms of like what he said. I saw, I get it because you need someone that's going to be like mentally strong to be in that position of manager, especially when he hasn't really managed at this level or managed a club of that size before, but their form Sucks. Was this the um the that's not not me out there comment? Was it that's that's not me? That's not my side type of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's probably feeling the pressure, and you can completely understand that, can't you? Um, lost eight out of his nine first yeah, games, and I don't know, mate. We spoke about it at the time. It was quite a strange appointment. Um, 
I liked Ralph. I thought he was a good manager. Um, and I think he was probably just stuck in a rut that the board were not going to let him have a chance of getting out of. He might have done. Um, then Jones was a, was a strange appointment. Again, we'll go back to it. But, you know, Dyche was available at that time. He's another one who, who could have... Another club that could have taken him. Um, if they stacked him now, is it is there any point? I mean, we spoke about. I think you, I think it was the point that you made, Danny, at the time was were they and similar to Christians made about Dash were they almost future proofing that if they were going to get relegated, then they've already got a manager who will know the championship and potentially get them back out. Um, the classic mate of, of like is the grass always green? I've got a lot of friends who are Stoke City fans and they got to the point where they were all calling for Pulis to to get sacked because of, you know, the style of football that they were playing and what they were doing. And, you know, it was a, a very much a be careful what you wish for scenario. And, you know, they've been through several managers now, including Nathan Jones, and they sit in the lower echelons of the championship, whereas Pulis had them as the well-established Premier League side. But they're not that far away from... Like that 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 whole section, I think there's like nine teams um from Crystal Palace down uh to the bottom of the league. They're all pretty compacted. You know, a couple of wins gets you out of that. A couple of wins gets you out of that. And the thing is with uh, some of the other teams, teams like Wolves who are in there, they don't score many goals. They're not gonna win that many games. I know they scored three uh, uh against Liverpool at the weekend. Before that, they'd only scored 12 goals all season. So like there's teams down there that, you know, we talked about a few weeks ago about having a player that can score that, those goals. I think, you know, Southampton haven't scored many goals, but they've got, I think they've got goals in them. I think they've got um, players that can put the ball in the back of the net over, over other teams. I think Everton is one of those teams that don't have somebody unless Calvert-Lewin stays fit that don't have anybody that can do that. And so... Even even then, he, he's garbage, as I've spoken about before. Carvalho's <laughs> garbage anyway, so... Um, yeah, I think I think the, the one saving grace for Everton is going to be like Sean Dyche um, set pieces. I mean, that's how he scored at the weekend, just drilling and drilling and drilling, getting the set pieces, getting wins that way. Um, I think that's the, that's the only way. That whole rant... Um, like Southampton wise was was absolutely mental though the whole you know we want to play on the front foot and all this kind of stuff that he kept saying mm-hmm. um I don't, I don't see that the the like I again I don't really think they've got they've got the players to be playing that and I don't know why they've taken a manager if that's the system that he wants to play why are they playing with that like Joe said it's the grass is greener kind of thing um and that I, was one I of the things Ralph, that he right, said. I like Ralph Hasenhut as well, and they should have stuck it out with him to turn it around. He's a good yeah. manager. That was one of the things that he said, though, like, I've been brought in to play this attacking style of football. That, for me, just shows, like, the board have no idea what they're doing. No the people yet. at the top have no idea what they're doing, which you can say that about a lot of clubs, um, you know, particularly in the in the lower regions of, of English football. But... When you're talking about a top tier Premier League team, the people at the top don't understand. Like I was listening to something the other day and they were using Everton as an example about like Everton fans have always demanded this certain style of football. But 
you just have to forego that now because needs must. You you just have to, if it is going to be route one, then it's just going to have to be route one. If that's going to save you and then you can build from there. I think that's what the teams at the bottom just need to do. Those teams, West Ham on Saturday, they're also in that relegation battle. They came to St. James's on Saturday and basically when we were attacking, they put 11 men behind the ball and and then they played on basically played on the counter and their goal came from a set piece as well. So like these teams that are down there, they've just got to find a way to win. Sometimes you just do need to boot it up to a big guy up front. Sometimes that yeah, agree, agree. The, the style of fuzzy doesn't matter when you're in the relegation battle. The style of how the ball goes in and how you get results, it makes no difference. It makes yeah. no difference. You just got to get the wins. I mean, looking at you know, because it, it is like the bottom, like you said, it's it's kind of like the bottom like nine, isn't it? A kind of in amongst it. I do think Saints and Bournemouth are probably going to stay down there and. I fancy them to go down. I, I fancy there's a good chance Everton will if we don't start turning things around. Um, like, I know that, like, I'm just looking at the table now. I know they're 13th, but Nottingham Forest, I think, a couple of bad results, because I, I still don't think they're a great side. A couple of bad results, and I think they could be dragged right back into it as well. I think West, the likes of West Ham and that, it, West Ham in particular, I think, have got too much about them to, I think they'll probably get themselves clear. Yeah. I actually think Forrest has done some really good business this month. Danny, Danny, don't up. call them don't call them Notts Forest. Sorry. Nottingham Forest or just Sorry. Forest. Why not? Nottingham Notts Forest. Forest. Sorry, I'll I'll retry that. Nottingham Forest, I think have done some good business in January. Well done, uh Danilo. What's uh, the issue? Oh, what's what's the issue with Notts Forest? I don't know the ins and outs of it, mate, but it's um I know I've known for years and then it was reiterated to uh, to my from my mate Stewie to say don't I think it's because Notts County and Notts yeah. County and therefore Nottingham Forest have always been Nottingham Forest. Um but yeah, it's highly offensive. Highly offensive. So we have yeah, to maybe we should beat that out. You could you could beat it out, out and then, <laughs> then carry on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that'll be fine. I think I think Steve Cooper is a good manager. I think they have made some great signings and they can grind out results. And with Chris, I think Southampton and Bournemouth are gone. And then it's one of Everton or Wolves for me. And I think it, I think it'll boil down to who scores, who's, who scores the goals um, because they, that's been their biggest problem, as we've spoken about. They're both really low goal scorers. Wolves have invested in a couple of strikers. Everton, you know, to quote Mashiri, judge us after the window. Okay, we will do. You sign no one. So that's what we're going to judge. Um, Sold their best player. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a really, it's a blatantly obvious thing to say, but I think the club that scores more goals between Everton and Wolves is the one that will stay up. And I, I, um, I think also Chris Wood has been in this situation before last season. And even though he didn't score that many goals, he gave Newcastle a focal point. And I, I think this, again, what we were talking about before about having a big man up front and sometimes you just need that. He's going to give them that option. He's going to make defenders want to... Southampton have just signed a six foot seven striker, haven't they? Yeah. So maybe Nathan Jones's principles will have to change Mm -hmm. or they're going to sack him and get Allardyce in and then it will work. Nottingham Forest have signed Shelby to ping balls up to Chris Wood. So let's see if that works for them. I think I think Shelby's a great signing for them. I really yeah. do. 
I he's agree. got tons of ability. He really has. And I think he'll give them, like like you spoke about, Lendan, a bit of just experience. I think the, yeah, the difference between Nottingham Forest team and, and a lot of the other teams around them, they've made yet yeah, 30 signings, haven't they, um, over the course of these two transfer windows. Yeah. But it's not as if they've signed anyone like completely bizarre. All I the, think Navas all... is bizarre. Do you think Navas is bizarre? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Navas yeah, is not, mental, not in so. terms of, of the reasons why they've signed him. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. You know, He's a proper not... football manager at the end of his career. Yeah, it Navas. is. It is. <laughs> I love it. The players he brought in are, are, are all, they've either got Premier League experience or they seem to have settled in like like the, the lad Danilo in midfield. He looks fucking great. Like, he mm. looks really good. Um, and they've got, again, a real footballing cliche, but they've got that blend haven't they of flair and grit going on you know they've got Bol- Willie Bowley at the back with uh, with McKenna you know they're both just gritty defenders aren't they yeah. um, and then in midfield they've got the battlers then they've got the option of Wood or Surridge up front with and then with Johnson playing with them they've got a lovely lovely balance uh, you know it's, it's enjoyable to watch I thought he was um, good on Sunday Sur- uh, Surridge is it Sur- Sam Surridge yeah yeah, yeah, yeah and I think, Brendan, I think Brendan Johnson as well Brennan Johnson's a good player, mate, yeah, and I think he'll only get better. Um, then he brought in Ayu. Again, he's worked with Cooper before. He knows the league. He knows how to play. I think that's quite an astute signing. Um, so I think they'll be fine. I think the likes of Palace will be fine. Um, they're getting you know, dragged got... into it, though. They, they, their yeah, form is but... not good. I think I think the difference with Palace, mate, is that they will, they're the type of team that will get a result like every fourth or fifth game they'll get a win or they'll they'll draw like three out of four or something like that they'll they'll always pull through um yeah Bournemouth was an interesting one makes obviously they got taken over did they during the transfer window yeah so they've got a lot of money to spend um and they had a really good start to the season they had a really good start to the season they were in the top 10 for a little while and then their forms just uh tanked off a cliff they shouldn't have sacked Scott Parker should they (laughs) <laughs> well, but when Gary O'Neill came in, that's when everything changed, wasn't it? But then they gave him the job permanently, which he deserved. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you don't know. It was a bit of a Emmanuel Adebayor going on loan everywhere, and then as soon as he got his permanent deal, he basically, like a Bamiyang's done at Chelsea, kind of dry, oh, they down in tools and I'm off. They've got a tough run coming up, Bournemouth. They play us on Saturday, and then they play Wolves. Um, but then they have Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, and then Aston Villa. It's a tough, tough run. They have to get points at uh, um, Wolves, I would say. Away at Wolves. Which, as we know, Joe, is no no uh, easy place to go, eh? Yeah, just bizarre, mate. Yeah, we, we can see. So, in the, the, the goal-scoring stats from that game, wasn't it? I think you said that they scored 12 or, or 15. Anyway, they, they scored an extra 25% of all their goals against us. And as soon as they scored the second goal... That means that we had conceded more goals than we did in the entirety of last season at this point. We're going through a strange time, mate. We really are at the moment. Um, just ride out this season. Luckily, Real Madrid aren't in particularly good form. That's the only saving grace we can take out the Champions League. Um, yeah, let's just see what happens. Um, and then there's got to be there's got to be a, a big rebuild. Like I've said, mate, I'll keep banging the drum. Bellingham, he's got to be the one. He's got to come. Um, whether he will or not, we'll see. But yeah, I'm, 
I think you, you, you won't be able to get him if, if <laughs> pardon me, if you don't get Europe next year. There's no way Bellingham will come. No I don't know. I, I think he, I think he, there's still a chance, like because he's young. I think the chance being because he's young and he's English, so therefore he'll know a bit more about everything else that's going on around the club and what what will come again. You know, it's not as if we're going to just drop off uh, entirely. Um, I no, think, it's not. But he needs to be playing Champions League footy next year. I think he'd take a season out, mate. I think the biggest thing with Bellingham is it will boil down to money. I'm not necessarily saying he's he's greedy, but that Real Madrid contract, which is undoubtedly going to come, might just blow us out of the water entirely. Um, the, only, the only difference, if if, our, if we get bought and we get taken over, look at Bowley, obviously, he went in and he's 600 million quid spent. Um, if we get taken over and the owners want to make a statement, then I think we will sign him. Let's move on to the final part then where we're going to talk uh, a little bit about uh, one of the biggest talking points that's uh, happened this week. And we're talking about uh, Rem's manager, Will Still, who he was basically playing football manager uh, and is now somehow the Rem's manager. I think he was assistant manager before he went in. And Rems are getting paid, uh, having to pay a £40,000 or Euro fine uh, every time he manages a game, but he's gone in there, and from what I've seen, he's playing incredible football. They're like 13, 14 games unbeaten, aren't they? And like, uh, yeah, he's, he's bonkers. If you look at his his wiki, like his managerial career starts off as Preston North End under 14s assistant manager, <laughs> and then like he, he he kind of works his way through, and he is where he is. I didn't know um, that he was English until recently either. Yeah, he's, he's um, born in Belgium. Yeah, it's it's bonkers, mate, isn't it? You know the fact that he's doing what he's doing. Some people just make that decision, don't they? That they, they're going to be a manager. Yeah, and they can they can do it in various different ways. And what I would like to see is kind of we gave our league gave people a bit more of a, a chance. To, it's, it's sad that they have to disappear off into Europe into um, considered lesser leagues to to get a chance because. If you look at the prime example in in our country, it's it's Potter, isn't it? You know, we went off and did his thing and came back and then got the job and then got Brighton and then he's gone to Chelsea. And one of the things that has been spoken about since he's been at Chelsea is is he out of his depth? And then it's no wonder that these young ambitious managers disappear off to different leagues to uh, build up their reputation. And why would you come and have the spotlight and and everything else that goes with it? Um, yeah, but incredible. And I think it's like the fact you're saying, yeah, whatever it is, I think 20, 22 grand a game or something, bananas, that they're getting fined. But they think he's obviously he's well worth it. But yeah, 30 years old, managing in, in the French top division. Um, the other, while we're talking about them as well, and the lad's name escapes me, um, the, the striker they've got on loan from Arsenal, Oh, is, he scored. He, he, did yeah, he scored so like three last year at Middlesbrough, and now yeah, he's banging him in for fun. English and he's the top scorer in, in the French top division. Um, really? Yeah, he's got, yeah. Oh, it's uh, Florian Balogun, isn't it? Yeah, it's Florian it, Balogun. Balogun. Yeah, yeah, Balogun. So yeah, he's now the top scorer in the French league under. So you got a thirty-year-old English manager with a with a un, England under twenty-one striker under his tutelage, banging goals in. It's like it's just it's just wild, absolutely wild. So it'd be interesting to uh, see how his career progresses, really. 
Definitely. They're currently 10th yeah. in, uh, in, in French football, which is crazy. Uh, and one of the things that, uh, obviously he said when he, when he first got into management was that he left college because he was playing football manager. He left college to become a, and went on to do a coaching course after that. Maybe I should do that. I've got my Hereford team up to the championship and we're, we're currently top of the league <laughs> in 2029. The other big story from this week, and this is potentially one of the biggest stories in the Premier League of all of the Premier League era, is the Manchester City breaking financial regulations. Three titles to Manchester United, three titles to Liverpool if they get stripped of them. I must admit, I'm, I'm just like briefly having a quick look at it now because I, I saw this news break the other day about them breaking financial regulations, but I don't know the ins and outs of the story overall. Um, so let me just give would, you a, would, a brief would the, would breakdown. The... Uh, oh, uh, sorry. So a brief breakdown is that they have deflated a lot of the internal things. So for example, Mancini, they didn't give like his true wage. Um, and a, a, again, a couple of wages of players have been deflated in. Uh, You're getting paid like by different clubs and different people weren't in stuff like that, apparently. Yeah. It's very, um, what I think they've done, their statement was very clever and they said they were surprised by the by what uh, the Premier League have said, which I think is quite clever because they've basically moved money around and they've been found out. So other, so when you say they've been paid in other ways, is that through like sponsorships or like through, because they own like New York, um they, they own one of the New York teams, don't they, as well? Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, so like their wages have been clubs, coming through they? that. Is that how it's worked? Yeah, basically, they've just been, to coin an old phrase, cooking the books mm. on like, what people were getting paid and how they were getting paid and sponsorship deals and can you do this this way rather than doing it this way and stuff like that. They've come out and they've said they're surprised and also that they, they, they don't think there's going to be any kind of problem take a couple of years, won't it, to work it all out? You know, it's not going to be... It's taken four years to do the investigation, so it's not something that's just going to be resolved. They're saying um, it's going to take the, another five, I read. Yeah. The, the um, And I don't know if this is through some kind of, like, Premier League charter, um, but they're not allowed to take it to the Court for Arbitration for Sport. Um, it's, it's part... So they can't appeal it that way, who it was by going to CAS that they were cleared of the previous financial irregularities but apparently that option has been removed and they're not allowed to do that um i personally think that they will be found guilty of some stuff not other stuff massive fine what's it going to matter to them they'll probably pay it um the other extremes he likes of juventus where yeah they got title stripped they got relegated um they've just had more points deducted Recently as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't know with City what points deduction for, for next season. If they got relegated, I mean, that would be wild. You know, would all the players leave? I think the owners would probably just sell up. Um, you know, no Champions League money, no Premier League money. I think their their little plaything might come to an end then. I don't I'd, love to, I'd love to see it just for the crack. It would be such a good laugh. Come on. <laughs> it would. It would be. It would be such a good laugh. 
De- I'd love Del- to take Del- that like um that guarantee that Man City are going to be up there at the end of the season. Just take that out of the equation and then watch all the other teams be like, oh shit. And then the I think the transfer market would go crazy if Man City yeah, got rid of it. It would be it would be hilarious. I'd love it. <laughs> I I personally don't think anything massive will come of it. I think there will be various. I don't. What I, what I struggle to see is how a club of that magnitude and that size, that is obviously run by astute business people, why they would put themselves in a position of anything that they didn't think was defendable. Um, just to slightly segue, it's like Chelsea have come out today, haven't they? When people have been questioning their um, spending and how they're going to do FFP and they've come out and said that you know we know we've got ways that we are going to justify this and um, one of which was the fact that under Abramovich's rule they weren't allowed to sell tickets for several months you know and that they say right that that's curtailed that so that can go against that I just don't think City I know they're essentially you know like your boys done run by a state almost um, but I don't think you could have a club like that who would have people naive enough in charge to go, oh, we'll just do this and we'll see if we get away with it. Um, I think there's always going to be a little backup or justification. Um, if, the, if they are, then it'll be down to the size of the Premier League's balls, won't it? What they're going to do. Oh, you know, big, it's, big time. It's their investigation. It's them who've come up with all these things. If this independent body that now gets presented with the evidence go, yeah, we we side with you and we find it, then do they decide what a massive marketing ploy this will be, you know, what a news story, or do they turn around and go, oh, fuck, if we actually, like, relegated Man City from our division, is it a massive boo-boo in terms of our marketability as a league? Then I'd be interesting. All right, then. So let's move on to our final thing for this week, and that is Zero to Hero. Um, Chris, do you want to kick us off with your hero for this week? My hero for this week um, is... Marcus Rashford. Um, oh, okay. I think he's having, a, yeah, I just think he's having a really good season. Uh, he scored again this weekend. Um, and he's looking buff as fuck. It's <laughs> <laughs> from feeding all those kids, mate. He's looking, he's looking hench. Um, I think he's having an amazing season. Obviously, it's pleasing to see a young, well, how old is he now? Still youngish, isn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, English striker doing really, really well. And that was always his thing was he was he was very slight and very thin and, and his physicality now it's just like it's very impressive and yeah I know he scored again at the weekend he's having a great season so yeah he's my hero of the week uh, Joy uh, Harry Kane you know became Tottenham's record goal scorer he's joined the Premier League two hundred club um, he's only I think eight behind. Uh, Rooney to go into the second top scorer. Will he catch Shearer if he stays fit? Yeah, I think he probably will. Um, Someone chop him down. Yeah, but yeah, to, you know you can't you can't ignore the fact that he's he's got all those goals, two hundred sixty-seven goals for Tottenham. What I found bonkers though is he's got that like two hundred Premier League goals. So he's only got like it just shows how Spurs. This whole debate about him, you know, should he leave Spurs to win things? He's only got sixty odd goals in other co- in other competitions yeah. than the Premier League. You know, that sh- shows how little participation and how 
they've failed to progress in a whole load of, of other competitions. My hero for this week, and I'm going to surprise you all, is Everton Football Club. Everton Football Club. <laughs> not, not necessarily for their win uh, over Arsenal, which was brilliant, but I think just going out and getting Deitch, I think is going to save your season, Chris. Um, and my zero for this week is, uh, it has to be, it has to be Manchester City. Uh, Casemiro, for me. I think I am right in saying that we had a chat in the reverse fixture versus Crystal Palace, where they were 2-0 up and he got himself sent off. Did. Um, I know there's a bit of a melee on Saturday, but again, they're in a winning position. He is one of their most important players. He's certainly their most important um, midfielder. And yet, there was talk about the angles that they were shown from, but he put himself in that position. He raised his hands. If that was seen, which of course it was going to be seen now, he was going to get sent off. And it was just a, a stupid thing to do in the context of the situation and the context of where where Manchester United are. Um, so yeah, Casemiro for me is zero. It's like Homer Simpson on Bart, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. With his hands around his neck. Um, obviously, Anthony Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll mock, take Everton he's back mock and he's a rat. Hero. I'll yeah, take Anthony Everton Gordon. back from my hero just, now. <laughs> just like is, is the whole down and tools thing and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah, he, he did not conduct himself well at mm. all. And I've not spoken to a single Everton fan or generally a football fan who's gone, you don't want that type of player at your club. So it'll be interesting to see what he does at Newcastle. I hope he rots. I hope he rots on the bench. <laughs> I hope he scores the winner against you in like in a few weeks. He probably time. he will do. He will do. Like, <laughs> he will. Um, anything else from you boys? No, no. Oh. Nice, nice to see everyone. Hopefully, we'll have uh, the full compliment back with us next week. Yes, I hope. Yeah, so. What's Josh? What's Josh's giving champagne to a Tory? Is that right? Visit from the local MP. Yeah, yeah. Giving champagne to a Tory. Yeah, that's exactly what he's doing with his well, one that's... foot. He's got a football injury at the minute. Has he? Um, yeah, he's he's uh, he's hurt his ankle. He'd just been called up to the first team for the Marines. What, what did he do? Like drop drop his trumpet on there or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> right that's a good ending there um thank you very much for listening please go and follow us on twitter and instagram at jaffpod um our zero and hero will be up uh, over the next couple of days for you to vote on but thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time